Good morning and good evening. Welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. Today we have Key on today, Key Marcello, notably known notoriously right now from, from Europe, but he's been in many other bands and a great solo artist and a killer guitar player for all the shredders out there. Um, how are you doing today, man? Yeah, I'm doing great, actually. We have really nice weather here. You know, it's April weather. It's up and down, but right, you know, I got to be happy for the, for the good days. Great right? to show. Thanks for having me, Sean. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're on. I mean, I've been want, we've been trying to get together for a little bit now, and unfortunately, last time you were sick. Um, yeah. And then there's a time zone difference here. Like, like we're laughing right now. It's it's eight o'clock for me now. I'm in New England uh, in the morning, and it's it's snowing in April, you know, which is crazy. We're just talking about that, and you're like, it's like two o'clock there for you in Sweden right now. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's weird. I actually, you know, when we we were mixing my last album here, Out of This World, I was working with Ron Nevison, and he's in, in the state of Washington. Mm-hmm. So, just nine hours really so oh, wow i had to you know normally i'm i'm a really early riser i get up at five six in the morning sometimes. oh that is so unrock and roll i love those early hours in the morning when when the phone doesn't ring all yeah. the time and you can be completely it's quiet you can work and without any disturbance of any kind but you know Working with Ron, the last week I was actually changing all around. So I went to bed around, around that time, five in the morning, you know. Oh, really? I had a jet lag after the production was over. It's got to be weird to, to get in a different time zone like that, too, to be working overseas. And, I mean, I think that's the new model. And, and for the world, it's going to be this a lot more remote, even when this clears up. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it makes sense. Um, clearly we need to talk to people. We need to see people face to face and we're all going to have a, a breakdown. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on the same hand, it's good. Um, so the first thing, there's been really some really in-depth things that you we were just talking about earlier online about you and some really good things have been covered, which is, which is fantastic. Cause I think you, I, I think you deserve the press. On the other hand, there's been a couple other pieces out there that have talked about the poison thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, and make sure it's in context because this is video. It will go out all as in one piece. I don't. I won't edit it out. So maybe if you want to, we can clarify. Make sure it's a clear thing sure. too. And absolutely. I don't want it to be you know, misunderstood in, in any way. What happened was is really that uh, I came to America for the first time actually on tour with Europe. We were rehearsing at the Warfield Theater in San Francisco. And I had a rental, and I was crossing. Uh, I was crossing the, the the Bay Bridge, I think it was, and and all of a sudden I I hear my song on the radio. Or let me correct that: I hear my chorus in a, in another song on the right. radio in a different lyric. And I I you know I stopped. Back then we didn't have any mobile phones. I stopped. Right. Made a call to my manager. And it turns out uh, uh, that he had been in con- contact with the producer uh, of that album who, who uh, actually had brought the Easy Action album, which my song, We Go Rockin' is on, to the studio when Poison yeah. heard their debut album and played it back to them. And they just nicked the chorus from one of my songs. He suggested they do a cover, but they... They didn't. They just stole the chorus and redid it. So, uh, I mean, that's the truth. What happened was 
I wasn't really plugged in to this because Europe was doing really well and I was completely busy with that. But my then publisher, Warner Chapel Music, went ahead and, and sued Poison's publisher. And that's when it starts. I wasn't really involved at all, actually. And it ended up with a settlement out of court. Good. It's, you know, I, I have a couple of thoughts on that. If you want to hear my opinion, just to kind of hash it out a little bit. And that's not a taking aside thing, but I was thinking about it because we, I went and heard the songs and I compared them back to back fresh on my mind. I do hear the melody. And you know, what's interesting is I know you'd said you, if you would suit them, like in, look at, like looking back, but if you look back, you know, I think that probably the suing out of court and settling was probably the best for the bands. Cause I think if you being from who you are being little known, like for the American rock audience, the eighties with no internet right. suing an up and coming band. First off, the press would have killed you because they could have, there could have been a press bin. Definitely. That would have happened. So that could have, or poison could have gotten careers. So it really could have killed two money making band careers if it wasn't quietly handled. And I'm not saying they didn't take it or they didn't nick it, but I almost think that like the legalities of it. There's a more to it. Well, the thing is what happened uh, before they went to to a hearing when it comes to copyright cases like this they hire somebody um, with musical uh, skills but not in the same business in this right. case it was a musician and a conductor that got to listen and compare the booth both the songs mm-hmm. make like a statement which is normally that statement is very uh it's very important. It's it's very important for the outcome of the lawsuit, if there's ever a lawsuit. And he said, not only did they steal the chorus, they unintentionally stole part of the band name. He was claiming that that's a common thing when it comes to uh, plagiarizing songs that you steal more than you intended than you intended to do. So he claimed that I want action was actually easy action. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that. Right. It's actually a similar thing happened with the, when the Swedish band Roxette had some trouble with the song called, called, a song called uh, Listen, to, Listen to Your Heart. Yeah. And they were sued by the band Heart because it was very much like two heart songs. And Really? Yeah. And the word heart was in the title. Oh my God, I didn't even know that. I mean, it's such a weird, weird thing, like to, to have the, the the battle of like who wrote the song. Because look at the Zeppelin thing and Stairway to Heaven. That's been going on for a million years. It, it's probably you know bought houses and college accounts for all these kids in school for all the lawyers, right? How many families has it paid for? You know, yeah. to, to to go and prove it. I mean, clearly you can hear it in the melody and you can hear it there. I just meant like the press. So on the other side, even if you that you won, the press, the American press could have just been like, you know what? You don't. Here's the thing. I've heard a lot of things that I read in magazines over the years when I was growing up, right? And now I've talked to the artists, you know, and the producers and stuff to, to ask these stories, and they weren't true, right? So, so, so Lord knows what would have come out of that. You know what I mean? <laughs> With is. such a, a, you know, and in Europe was just starting to break over in America, and America was the, you know, the place. So you never know what happened. But anyway, anyways, I wouldn't have been the one in charge of the lawsuit. It would have been you know, want a chapel if it ever went to court. But, uh, you know, on the other hand, if if the guys in Poison would have approached me as the songwriter and asked me, you know, we like your song, but we would like to 
use the chorus mainly and rewrite it a little bit. Are you fine with that? And I would say, yeah, as long as I'm a co-writer on the song. And we could have split. Yeah. It would have been the fair thing to do, I think, instead of just negative. Well, it would have been the moral thing to do, too. Yeah. Now, I'm, yeah, I'm surprised I'd never heard that before. So that was really uh, a surprising thing to read about this week online. Um, but I want to be the last thing I'm going to say on that is just so I don't be a tended horse is it's interesting because I usually hear like a guitar riff more. Yeah. This is just a melody and it's, 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 it's out there. I mean, you hear it. Like I literally feel like singing the rest of the song, the other song, because you hear it so much. Yeah. But you don't usually hear like a melody stolen as much as there's usually like a melody and some guitar riffs. You know what I mean? There's usually some more musical instruments also stolen in it or lyrics. It's true. Yours yeah. is just the melody and yeah. it's a very blatant melody. So it's, it was a little interesting twist to it. It is. Well, it's the chorus as well. It's the chorus and the melody in the, in the chorus. Yeah. But then the verses, is, is, uh, you know, and, and, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to down talk them as songwriters. I, I love some of their songs. The good mm-hmm. songwriters, definitely. But uh, yeah. It was, a, yeah, you're, I agree with you. They've got some great songs and, and you know, talented artists. So this is a weird turn from that camp for me to hear because it wouldn't necessary. They have enough, they would have had enough of a catalog of, I don't know. So anyway, so it's out there and you will have it exactly as this is. All right. So yeah, you have, let's actually talk a couple minutes about um, easy, easy action. Sure. From, from there. So you did two albums with them and then right as you, is it, you can correct me, like right towards the end of the, like the second one was kind of done is when the Europe thing kind of came in. Yeah. And I think you were probably, I listen, I'm like, it could be hard because you're establishing a band, you're establishing a band, you get a deal, you're working it. Second album, you're with your buds, you're, you're kind of like a family. And you got this great thing of Europe, <laughs> like another job offer. It was hard, Sean. It was hard, you know, because on the other hand, it, you know, my, in one way, it was like leaving a family. I mean, these were yeah. my buddies. But on the other hand, I, I, I couldn't, it was, a, it was an offer I couldn't refuse because mm-hmm. I knew it was going to go somewhere for, for real. And, and you have, you know, a lot of people don't understand that right then Europe weren't really big anywhere else than in Sweden, Scandinavia, and a little, yeah. little Japan. It was starting to happen, you know, with the final Countdown album and the single eventually be, being number one in 26 countries. But this hadn't yeah. happened yet. This is in October 1986 and uh, first I say no and then their manager uh, realized that I was going to need some more time so he said think it think about it over the weekend and give me a call on Monday which I did and uh, I changed my mind so uh, there we go I'm glad I did that choice though I, I would have missed out on a lot of stuff well it's been a, a, a platform for you or a satellite, like to use the phrase, yeah. of your career to bounce off because it gives you, it's like a resume piece on some levels. It's, you know, it, it got you out there and you can't regret anything that gives you success in your industry because it's who you are. You, you know, you're, you're an artist. I saw you guys on that tour and I remember you guys, it was you guys, but the, 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 the big push was for the final countdown. Right. You remember opening, and of course you remember, but opening and ending the concert with the same song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I had never heard before, and I don't think I've ever heard of you again. But I'm going to tell you, the audience loved you. I mean, the, from, from song one, from, from final countdown <laughs> to the final countdown, everybody screamed the entire way. 
but I had never seen that before. I mean, if, if you think about it, it's, it's ingenious when you're going on tour and you really have the, this monster hit and a lot of the yeah. other people haven't heard yet. So, I mean, it, it's such, it's an ingenious thing to do. And, and since, it, since it's such a great intro with, you know, the, yeah. the brass, the synth brass and all that, yeah. it's just made to be an intro. So we, we play the first part of it and then we do a recap at the very end, which is really effective because it actually works as an outro as well, you know? It, so it, it also feels like theater, theater to me. I'm sorry. It feels like theater because, like, you know, if you saw, like, you know, an opera or, like some, like, or a play or something, it feels like, you know, an out, yeah, an outro. It feels much more like a layered production than just a rock concert, you know what I mean? That's exactly what it is. like a lead motif or, or a, theme, a theme song, you know? That's the way we thought That's what it felt it. like to me and as opposed to just, like, trying to push it. But, I mean, but, of course... As far as the PR guys are like, push it. <laughs> we got to break you guys. We got to make some money here. Uh, it was great. I mean, so I enjoyed it. And, and you, you, all you guys, and you obviously, you were fantastic. Everybody was fantastic. It was a good live show. And I don't think anybody can dispute Europe at any point is really a bad show. It's always a good band live. We were really good live. Amazing. We were yeah. killing that band. We were in our primes right then, you know. Uh, played all the biggest arenas all over the place, really. You know, crazy years from from uh, January 1987 for four years ahead. It was really crazy, you know. I'd seen you right before you started to get really big because it was, it was like a, not a smaller club, not club or not really like it's more like a theater. So it was kind of small, a couple hundred people. You guys, so you guys were just starting to break. It was in Atlanta, like in. I can't even think how far back it was, but you know, <laughs> like you know, your memory goes as you get older. But uh, yeah, it was it was good. And um, when you left your band, you, you still friends with those guys? Because it kind of, I imagine that's kind of a yeah. I mean, we we live in different places, though. I mean, I live in Gothenburg. It's on the west coast of Sweden. I, I mean, actually, with uh, with actually, no, I'm sorry. When you, when you first like Easy Action, were you guys still friends and stuff, or was it kind of a, were they kind of cool about it? Uh, these action guys, yeah. In the beginning, I mean, they actually tried to uh, uh, to go on with the band without me, and uh, with just one guitar player. They had, you know, there were originally two guitar players in the band. Chris Lynn was going to, you know, be the only guitar player in the band, and I actually tried to get him a deal on that album, the last album we did, that makes one mm -hmm. Sony in America. I really. I was really close of accomplishing that, but Sony had a meeting and decided it would compete with Europe. Not surprisingly. Well, in a way it's the same style of hard rock and all that. So they, they finally turned it down. And after that, I think the guys went separate ways, but, but now we're reunited in a way, you know, 2019 yeah. we did a reunion uh, concert at the Sweden Rock Festival, and it was absolutely amazing. 25 screaming people singing along with even the B-sides. I had no idea. I mean, right before we went on stage, we were thinking, it's, because we, don't, we didn't have the, the coolest slot. We are like in the afternoon, three or something like that. It's not right. a headline or anything. Is anybody going to show up? We don't know. Sun's in your eyes. You know? How would we know? And it, we were really, you know, both glad and, and maybe most of all relieved 
that it was just packed, 25,000 people waiting to. to that's hear. awesome. I mean, that, that's all my question was like how you guys left it to move forward because the dynamics of the band, you know, you left for something else and then we're everybody kind of angry and then, you know, the healing process. And it's always right. good to see a band get back together again, you know what I mean? Because it's like a family. So it's really cool. Like, uniting your family, uh, that's the feel of it when we started doing that. It's got to feel good also. They, they got to kind of get, get your oats, get a little bit, the band got a little bit more of a grit that it didn't catch earlier on. And who knows if it would have gotten it anyhow, you know, the way the 80s were. It was crazy with music, you know. Yeah. It was pretty unforgiving, chewing up things. And the other thing is, but in that band, you were a big songwriter. And I mean, you are a big songwriter, you know. Thank you. So, 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 and, and good. And, and so, and one of the things I like to talk about is like the dynamics. So you were a lot in that song. Were you the main... Like, did you switch from being the main-ish co, you know, like, because you're a very melodic player too, so I imagine, and I'll ask you about that in a second, from Easy Action to Europe, then back to your solo stuff, back to other projects. So when you're writing with other people, other bands, like, Easy Action is kind of your band, so you kind of control the writing with peers. But then Europe was like, you're kind of coming into a, a new thing, you know what I'm saying? Did it yeah. change a lot? Did you have to? No, I don't think I changed a lot. I mean... Uh, I mean, it, obviously, when I came into the band, Joey Tempest was the main songwriter. He wrote the final countdown for, you know, for instance. So I knew I couldn't do anything about that. But on those two albums that I recorded with the band, you can really hear my presence. Oh, of I, course. I, I think you can hear, you know, some people say that Prison of Paradise sounds a little bit like Easy Action. And I think <laughs> the truth is, is that my songwriting shines through and my guitars and arrangement ideas that's probably what makes it and because i'm mm -hmm. a producer really and even when i'm not producing we had two brilliant producers on those two albums on out of this world it was ron evison which i had the pleasure to work with again uh, amazingly and uh, on prisons of paradise it was bo hill the guy who did rat and winger and, and yeah that. and uh but still, you know, since I'm, I, I can't help myself, I arrange a lot of stuff and I, I interfere, you know, with, you know, the dynamics of guitars and keyboards and I try to influence and, and come up with ideas and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, I think the two albums I'm on with your sounds different than all the other stuff they've done because, because of this. Right. I think, I think the songwriting, you know, just like you say, like a guitar player will pick up a song. You're like, it doesn't matter what the rig is, whatever, you know, an easy one to be Eddie Van Halen or whoever. They're like, it sounds like Eddie Van Halen would know what they're playing or, or whoever. So like when you're a guitar player, you have a sound and it kind of doesn't matter what you play. Right. You, you kind of hear it in a way you might not hear the exact tone, but, but you actually have your own sound too. I feel like your own tone sound where it's kind of a, a melodic, ah, I probably couldn't even do justice. So I'm not going to attempt, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You have to have a sound. Yeah, I think you hear when it's me. Actually, even my mom heard when it was me on the radio, which is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's uh, well, I, I also like even if Joey's writing songs, there's no way if you're the guitar player, you're adding stuff. There's no way you can say like you have a part to add that's not going to change things because you're not going to change it for what works better for the song. Certain things have to be adjusted for everybody's parts to work. Absolutely, I felt strongly about that when I joined Europe. That. I mean, it's got to be the same solo themes, the same melodies that people recognize, because I, I just have to go to myself. If I go to see a band, 
for the mm-hmm. concert. I mean, I want to hear the solo that comes with the song. A lot, you know, imagine now, you know, let's say that Luke would leave Toto. That won't happen, <laughs> of course. That will never happen. He is Toto. I don't know. Mick Jones is going to leave Foreigner, and he's the last one. So, <laughs> does <Yeah>. they never? <laughs> let's say he did, you know? And I go and see Toto live, and they play Rosanna, and it's a completely different guitar solo. I wouldn't buy that. I want to yeah. hear that solo because those melodies are part of my DNA now. I've heard them for so long. That's the same thing with a, with an album that you really you've really dug for a long time, and and you you know all the all the passages, all the melodies, all the parts. You want to hear it performed like that live. You don't want to hear a free form jazz jam. No, no. <laughs> I agree. I'm a little more forgiving if it's a couple notes because it's a guitar player and you know they're, but it's close to it. I can be a little forgiving, but when they go off the yeah, and they yeah. do the song and the songs like rearranged like as a different modern version or something. Remember when bands were doing that for a while? They're like, it's a new version of this. You're like, no, yeah, we, no. we literally made you platinum because we, as your fan base, whoever it was, <laughs> because we like that song. You know, yeah, it's like go to a restaurant and, and loving a meal. And then they're the, the going, I know you like this meal, but I'm going to serve you something kind of the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, you know? So, I mean, actually, at the end of the day, it's about not forgetting who's paying your cars and house, you know? Uh, the fans, you know, make it possible for people like me to live this dream. It's amazing. So mm-hmm. that's part of it, too. You've got to deliver to them what they want to hear, you know? Yeah, I must perform. You know, it's, kind it's of, hard. I, I can see as, a, as an artist, you want to grow too, but just also, it's a, it's a slippery slope. It's your job, so you kind of got to be creative, but it's also your job. And you know, yeah. so those two albums were fantastic. And, and it's funny because that's so. Like I said, I heard the first one, and then I, I, I remember running out and getting superstitious, and and, and, and prisoners. I, I really loved them. They were really good. And then, you know, then obviously grunge came, and and was you know, I always say this all the time. It's not so much grunge. Eighties music. And the record labels ate itself, really. It could have, there's so many bands that could have just gone over, you know what I mean? Because there's still bands from the 70s that were still being on the radio in the 90s. It didn't kill them. You know, a copy of a copy of a copy is what killed it. But actually, there were, when grunge happened, there was some kind of polarity between grunge and melodic hard rock. I, I mm-hmm. could feel it. I remember we played with Europe in, in a venue in America. And uh, we came to the dressing room, you know, one of those dressing rooms where it's a lot of, you know, musicians have been writing on the, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The walls and all that. And it said with big letters, it said, excuse me for swearing, but this is what it said. Who the F is Joey Tempest signed by Kurt Cobain? And we went, this was really before they broke. And all of us, we went, who the F is Kurt Cobain? We never heard of him. Yeah. Then about, you know, half a year later, they were everyone heard of the place, you know. So you could feel that polarity. They they felt like it was a change from the, the melodic rock and uh, you know, and the eighties hair bands thing. I and I didn't see that. Like I didn't see that. I, like I, I do there's bands I like from that period a lot, especially the bigger ones, because once again, you get a copy of a copy. A lot of the good bands, you know, Nirvana had fantastic melody in his vocals and then some really interesting heavy or chunk I don't like right now guitar right just kind of like every other generation of rock which is different and of course you got to rebel every every you know metal rebelled 
and also if you think about like every 10 years and usually it's like the, the like the couple of years after the, this, the the decade starts is when it starts to crumble of music you know with disco and punk and then metal you know what i mean it just every couple then <laughs> it, it crumbles and it comes back most times yeah. every 10 years like a cycle it is a cycle i i'm old enough to remember when pipe punk came around and that was actually a a bigger change because we had band like we had bands like Je- Yes and Genesis and uh, Emerson Lake and Palmer that play huge. I love them. I love those guys. Yes and Palmer. I I have like every Yes album. Just don't be starting on vinyl. <laughs> yeah, enormous productions and you know stage shows and all that. And then punk came around. You know, on small clubs, sweaty, rocky, hard. It, that was really a reaction. You know, against those big dinosaur bands. Uh, it wasn't quite the same uh, when, when grunge came. It, to me, a lot of it was just like a lot of bands were changing just a little bit and say, "Hey, we're grunge, so we're hit. The other guys are out." <laughs> it, it's it is it's kind of like that, and it's, it's very similar how raw it is. It almost feels like with punk and with and grunge in the beginning, and I think it's kind of disenchanting when people go, "Anybody could do grunge." You know, it's a couple chords because if you really listen to Soundgarden and you listen to your Alice in Chains. You can't just say that was just you're learning it in your garage. You know what I mean? So there are different levels of music. I mean, Alice in Chains is very similar to me of like a, of a modern Black Sabbath at a time. You know? Yeah, it's really cool. It's good. Yeah. And, and, but I'm saying to say it's that. But once again, I think, A, it's, it is feel like music you can play yourself. Do you have to point with shredding? Like, you just look at your guitar. And, you know, I started playing guitar a few years ago. I watched these 12-year-olds. I just want to take the guitar and throw it out in the road. So there's a point where with some of the grunge songs, you can kind of play easier. Some of the other bands or punk, you know what I mean? Right. Do it, it's a do-it-yourself thing. And uh, yeah, I, I do think music is interesting. And I think we're at an interesting time now. And it's probably a good lead-in for now. What you're doing is is you kind of can do what you want. I like that. You do, you'll do a, a Europe redo album because you'll revisit your roots because you're proud of it. You'll do another, you'll do a, like a rock album, kind of AOR type style. You guest on other albums with people. Key Marcelo does what Key Marcelo does right now because this is the time when artists do what they want to do. I totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. And, and I love it. I think it's, it's exciting. Now. You can do whatever you want, whatever you see fit. It's not as political as it used to be. I mean, the, the, politic, the political powers behind punk, if you, if you go back there again, they were really strong. You know, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. there were people from London who, want, who protested against, you know, the commercialism in, in music and like you said all of a sudden everybody could be part of it pick up yeah. a guitar play two chords and then you have the six pistols or a damn song all of a sudden yeah but that wasn't at all the case with grunge i would no i would dare somebody to just pick up a guitar and play any of sound gardens so alice in change yeah or even pearl jam i mean it's in the sounds and and i and i think what reminded me something with grunge is kind of similar to uh like a Pink Floyd or um, other bands where it's the ambient sound where you still can't recreate it because a lot of it's still the air and the pockets in space. Right. And yeah. some of those bands where you just like, you can play the riff, but you're like, it's not, it doesn't sound it because there's other parts to it that you just don't know. Right. You know, whereas punk was just kind of, and I love punk, especially for what it did. It was just, for, I mean, I like every genre, but yeah, I, I think it was just a little bit different. I think it was just a different version of rock. I think, you know, and it got crazy, it got crazy too, but yeah. it's, it's the fact that you, but you persevered, and I think, in fact, a lot of bands kind of just kind of either had to do different things or put their head low or 
do other stuff or just keep working. You know, I think <laughs> when it was to get Europe again, outside of the United States, in Europe, musically, the space, <laughs> the band, right. it's been a little bit more forgiving, I think, musically and open-minded. And you can maybe correct me on this. Um, more loving of metal overall. I mean, it's hit or miss here in the U.S. at times. Maybe it is. I find it hard to compare. I mean, since I spend most of the time here in Europe. Uh, name the last big heavy metal festival you went to in America. And then name like five metal festivals in Europe off the top of your head real quick. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actually, there's right? so many, it's impossible to keep track of them. And, you know, right, but not. we only have a few here, and they have to struggle. I mean, there are some here. I'm not saying there aren't any, but they're not. But they have to really work it because it's – you know, yeah. it's not the same. The loyalty, I don't, I don't know what it is. The economics, it's not the same. Like, you see, you guys will be camping out for days, and it's just hardcore. It's just it's like the 80s. And here, it's like, well, I got to work. Maybe I can do it. I can come in on the weekend show. It's just so different. <laughs> A different scenario together when you say it, yeah. When you put it like that, we are blessed with a lot of um, hard rock festivals in Europe. I mean, in both the old East countries as well. I mean, they're they're pumping up like uh, fungi over there. You know, if you go to Czech Republic, you find like 10 festivals you never heard of. You don't know where all the people come from. It's because all the countries in Europe, they are close together. You know, yeah. you just slip from Germany or uh, uh, Romania, France, what have you, you know. And prior, you could cross all the borders before the, the EU, EU thing was going on. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> If everyone's locked out of the borders, like it'd be like, uh, it'd be like all the states in uh, in America, you can't leave a state without a passport or something. It'd be insane for you guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that'd be crazy. The, when the Brexit happens, it's going to be pretty bad for yeah. Because the, we have a British drummer, and, yeah. oh. and you know, all of a sudden, it's going to be a, a bit tricky. You we've got to deal with carnets and stuff like that, you know, because of custom regulations, and it's not going to be easy for us to get it as easy to get into England anymore you know it's gonna be tricky well one thing that makes it easier I guess is because he's got double passports he's got a British and an American passport okay so it's like a like a double so yeah I think that that could help us out in this case but it's really gonna change a lot for British musicians the Brexit it's a bad idea I tell you really bad idea I know a lot of artists are having heart attacks over it. I know there's like a, a, a group of artists that were trying to, I don't know what the artist group was called, to go against it and try to, you know, fight it because yeah. it's insane. Um, yeah, because you do a lot of touring. So what are, you, what are you thinking? I mean, with all this hot mess, I mean, I know you don't have a, an answer. <clears throat> I mean, the, the, the last year has been so strange. I mean, it, it kicked off in, in, in March. I guess, you know, when the the first COVID regulations came to place. And since then, I haven't been touring at all. You know, hundreds of travel days a year. From that to zero travel days has been really hard to get used to. You know, I I spend a lot of time in the studio now, I guess, you know, since that's the only thing I can do. if I would stay in the household, then the family would go crazy. You know? <laughs> Those are the two things that is happening. Musicians are like, I've been working on a new album, and my kids know who I am now. Those are the, <laughs> the two things from COVID, you know, yeah. of a working musician. 
Yeah. It's, it's great. I can't wait for, for, you know, for everybody to get their shot so we can get back on the road and go out and play for people. That's, I really miss it after yeah. in months. I can definitely say that. So you are working on an album or something, right? I mean, you've been in the studio. Are you, what are you working on? Something? I, I just finished an album with, <clears throat> with my new band, Out of This World. It's, yep. uh, uh, it's me and the, the singer from uh, Fair Warning. Uh, nice. Heart. Uh, and then Darby Todd, the drummer from Kimo mm -hmm. band, he, he also played with Gary Moore and, uh, and The Darkness and a lot of different bands. And the bass player, Ken Sadin, who used to be in the Swedish band called Alien. Mm -hmm. So so it's the four of us. And uh, we we did this album, and we, it's been produced during COVID, actually. And since it, the, the, the name of the band is Out of This World, we thought it would be a cool idea. Well, actually, the Japanese thought it would be a cool idea to, to run Everson. So I called him. And he, he loved the idea, so he mixed the whole album. It's been amazing to work with him again for the first yeah. time since 1988. <laughs> so it's really cool, actually. Uh, it all started in two, 2017 when we did an album. Me and Tommy did an album called uh, Key of Hearts. I don't know if you mm -hmm. heard about that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well in, in, here in Europe and in Asia. But we couldn't get along with the label. So we you know, uh, took off and uh, decided to use Darby and Ken as a rhythm section instead of, Ken was in, it's a bit complicated. Ken was in the Key of Hearts as well, but I wanted Darby on the drums because he really, he, the two of them are my favorite rhythm section. So we started doing, we started doing basics in the studio for this project. And then uh, actually we did all the, all the drum takes, mm -hmm. all the basic takes uh, before they closed down. I remember when he went back to London, he flew back to London after doing the last track. And about three days after they closed the borders. So if he had left four days later, he would have been forced to be in quarantine for God knows how long, two, three oh, weeks. Wow. Yeah. Which can be devastating for anyone, you know, but, but, uh, we just, we barely made it. So the rest of the album, actually, we had to send files to each other and do it that way instead. Mm -hmm. So I recorded all my all my guitars and, and keyboards and background vocals in my studio. And, and Tommy did all his uh, his leads in uh, in Berlin. And his was, it, was it hard? Like, cause I know some people like it, but I would imagine if you're writing a song, you're like, oh, should I change the verse here? The, the little dynamics, the little nuances of you doing it and then sending it back to the time lost. Uh, it gets lost and being in the studio saying, why don't you just do this little noodle here? Or, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. It's not ideal. It's not, you know, if I, if I had a choice, for sure, to be in the same... It feels room. black and white, like you're writing a book or you're writing a paragraph and you're copying the words and you, you're following all the rules because... You're handing it off to somebody else that just wrote something in a certain way. So now it's locked in as you're going back and forth. Yeah, that's true. And fortunately, we could, you know, and the, since we have Zoom and, and all this, we can have a conversation and put back stuff and, and do changes like that. Which but is good. Even yeah, it's, it's really good. 
but even though it's not the same, I mean, to be there together in the studio. Yeah. I said, hopefully for, for Others World album number two, I would love to be in the same studio. I have a plan for this already. <laughs> I know this guy, Kostas Kalimeros, on, on an island in Greece called Santorini. And he has a, a studio called The Black Rock. Uh, I'm in. I'll be your intern. An island in Greece? I'll be there. I'll help you. I'll make coffee. <laughs> Let's do this. Cool studio. And, you know, Joe Bonamassa did a couple of albums there. You know, he even called one of the albums Black Rock because he thought it was so cool. Santorinos is an old volcan- volcano island. Oh, wow. Black sand and black rocks over there. It's beautiful. I've been there a long time ago now, but. Uh, and his studio is doing great. It would be great to just fly in the guys. We're all at the same place. Mm-hmm. The weather is lovely. You know, fly Brown over from the States, Ron Everson, you know, and just do the album there. Like in the old times. And, you know, yeah, we, yeah. That, we rehearse, we record, we mix. That's that. We have an album. Well, you're a very melodic player, which is your thing. And I would imagine it, it really plays on the mood of the group, the improvising, improvising. It really, it's a feel. And that's how I take it when I hear you. So yeah. to record around no feelings around computers feels like it's got to be like the worst thing, especially for a musician like you that really just, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it turned out really well because I'm so happy with the material on this, on this album. So, and mm-hmm performance from everybody so that was a lot of inspiration just hearing in my big general x yeah coming out there that was a big part of it but obviously to be in the surround you know being surrounded by your family which is the band mm-hmm. and the producer you know it's like being produced being surrounded by your family and your mentor that's yeah. when you, you know when stuff starts to happen so that's hence my plan next that's good i think it, it's no, although I think it sets you up for those lightning in a, in a bottle moments will probably happen more often in that right. environment. It could still happen elsewhere because there's been some, look at Boston, you know, he recorded his thing and he built a studio in his basement, like in the 70s and 80s, you know what I'm saying? And it's yeah. brilliant. So it's not like it can't be done. But human contact is a big part of music, you know, and, and it is. It is. And uh, it was having fun. It's what you do. Yeah. What automatically happens when you're with your good friends, your family, and you you hang out? That's what happens. You have fun, and you can hear that in the music. It, it's good because it, it feels like we're at the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel, or at least you're seeing something. But what's happened? Like, said so you record your album now during the COVID, and and people are like, or they, people are like, I just finished it before COVID, or I just did this, and then there's the the, the struggle. Do we keep it? until COVID's over and release it and then sit on it. But then we're an artist. So I've already started writing a new batch of songs for my next album before I return this one. It's already been sitting there for a year old. It's a year old to me. I'm already ready to move on. Do you do that? Or do you release it and not tour with it? Do you do like a lyric video? It, it's, that's a whole new thing that artists are struggling with. Yeah. It's a new problem, really. You know, you can't go out and tour on your album. And, and that's the same problem. Well, everybody's facing the same problem, basically. So it's the same for everybody, at least. What's your take on that one as far as is it better to hold on to it or kind of put it out there and kind of? No. <laughs> I don't think you should hold on onto anything really because that's how creativeness works for me at least. You know, mm-hmm. you can put it out and, and then, then it's time for new ideas. I mean, uh, 
but just you know keep ideas inside what happens then is you want to change something and sometimes it change when you overdo mm -hmm. stuff it, in the end it, it comes out uh, overproduced and overworked yeah. you know so, you second guess I'm, 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 a, I'm a firm believer in in uh, getting your idea as close to the heart as possible and just performing it that way and, and doing it as well as you can at the moment, produce it, mix it, done, out. And then you can start the next project, you know? There's always a, an album after that. And I, I think, so to answer my, and the multiple questions, you write every day. You are a writer. Yeah. So you can't stop writing. It's it's in you. I think some artists have to sit down and do an album, and then they come up with this brilliant album, but then they need to take a break, and they don't think of stuff. They don't write. It's just how they work. You know what I'm saying? Right. I think artists like that find it easier to hold on to a little bit longer because they're not always in writing mode. That's possible. But, so to them, it's like, all right, I got it in the can. It's waiting to release because I don't. I, I don't. It's a lot of work for me. It's not. It doesn't come out as natural. But they, when they do, it's like it's great. Right. And when I talk to artists like you, they're just like a uh, different type of musician where you're like, I have a guitar in every room and I'm sitting on the couch. And I just pick it up and I've got a melody for another song. I have drawers of tape. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm saying for like you would be like, to, to keep it, you would just have a stack of albums by the time COVID's over, <laughs> you know, walking with a big armful of CDs. Exactly. Yeah. That would happen. And, and the thing is, uh, there's a big there's psychology behind this because to me when I have a load of songs you know stacking up um, songs and songs and songs all over the place and I never get to finish them then I then I get writer's block because uh, what happens is you never get that release that happens yeah. When you uh, when you're able to show people your music and to to release the records to uh, the general public, it's still you know in sort of in the twilight zone, lurking in the shadows, and you can't you know you've got to get rid of it. That's how I feel anyway. So the moment I release an album like Out of This World now, the, this new band, the album is mixed, it's mastered, it's out. Wow, I have loads of new ideas. Maybe not during mix and mastering, I don't, because I'm still in the process of making this album. Mm -hmm. But once it's done, I get a whole set of new ideas I have to start working on, you know? Like an exorcist, you kind of get it out there, and once it's done, you're, you, you allow yourself to go deep again? It is. Exactly like that, actually. So... So really, it's twin. So you're kind of in a holding pattern. I know you want to. So you want to do the album. So you get the other one out now. So hopefully you can do some. Are you going to try doing any touring or anything? Some bands are starting to do it now, but in spots. I don't know what happens. I mean, we had a couple of offers, uh, offers doing uh, streaming concerts and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm sure it's fine if you're already worked up band but we haven't been on the road yet you know for oh. length of time we really only did one gig with this lineup with the, the others world band so what we would need to do is to rehearse properly to get this album right before we go on the yeah. road so i agree 
it's been talked about since JBC Victory is releasing the album in Japan. There's been talks about if the vaccinations go the way we hope them to do. There's been talks about doing a, a, a tour this fall in Japan, and that would be a great way to start. First of all, with my name and Tommy's name, we we didn't we wouldn't have to put on a, a second band. I mean, we can tour ourselves and we can yeah. fill those places. Uh, so we would get a great chance to rehearse the band, get some live experience, and uh, get some get some legs on the band. Kind of. What was that? I get some legs on the band touring. Exactly. Plus, the album is doing really well there. It's number two on the hard rock on, on the Amazon hard rock charts right now. So uh, it would be great to come and, and play there. And I think they're going to open up pretty much the same as the EU will open up. We're talking this fall. Mm -hmm. so, fingers crossed. That would be awesome. I think that's the most realistic thing. I mean, you know. Yeah. There's pockets here and there, you know what I mean? And I, I applaud the bands for trying to get out now because they need to work. Their, their crews need to work more because they don't have right. endorsements. They don't have royalty. They don't have as big a check, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, so it's hard for a working band, but it's also it's even worse for somebody who's just, you know, a, a roadie or I'm not going to say roadie to put them down, but you know what I'm saying, a, a working supporter of the musicians as a, like the, 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 a team member. Music. Uh, technicians or engineers. The thing yeah. is, big problem as I see it, you know, we have, we have a lot of really good engineers, you know, LDs and front of house engineers and all that, that actually gave up because they're getting offers from mainly IT from big tech companies that wants to pick them up because they're really talented and they're not going to want to go back to doing this again when they were they sitting safely on the on the brand new job with a better salary and i went to school i got a degree in recording uh i do it now just to, <laughs> to drive that point home <laughs> spot on but it's, it's going to be a different world after COVID. you know it's not going to be the same crews on tours anymore it's going to be different it's going to be a new generation I guess, you know, a lot of people, I, I spoke personally to a lot of people in the business that they gave up, they changed words, you know, to do something else. And I, I asked them, you're going to come back. I don't think so. <laughs> Some might be bored, might be behind a desk. Once they see like the tours and they're like, after a year or two of doing it, they're like, oh my God, throwing pencils in the ceiling. I'm like, they're like, I got to get back on the road. This is, I get the paycheck, but I got to go. I can't, you know, <laughs> I got to go on the road. That's one way of reacting. The other way would be you, you don't tour for the first time in 15, 20 years, and you realize, wow, this is so relaxing. I'm, I'm working <laughs> like this every day, and I'm getting a great salary and, you know, holidays, benefits, insurance, everything. Yeah, it's so, – I couldn't do the road, especially as I got older now. When I was younger, I'm like, yeah, it sounds like great being on the road. Now I'm like, oh, I don't even want to drive into work. <laughs> Let alone, uh, I go across town in the car with my kids. I'm like, I'm not touring with anybody. Right. Um, this is this has been fantastic. Um, I want to thank you. So, as far as the news links go, you've heard the full-on unedited version of also how Key feels about the the poison thing. So that's clear. So there's no, you know, <laughs> although it was a good article, no one no one can misquote him in video because the article was very nice. You know, clearing that up, man. <laughs>